Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. So if you say, I want honesty, that becomes a real unbreakable, true to you standard because unfortunately you probably dated someone who lied to you. And it's those experiences, the contrast that makes it really real. So I really encourage people to go through their memory bank. And that really is what mindfulness is to me. It's re-examining your memories and extracting from it standards, boundaries, more compassionate conclusions from it because you have those experiences, some of which are painful. Yeah. But that's how you create those things in the present that aren't borrowed, that won't deteriorate when you get confused or when things are up and down. You have those life experiences. So like... I think that's a powerful place to operate from because otherwise it's it's there's just a lot of noise in, in dating and everything of this is right, this is wrong. Everyone has an opinion on something and really the only way to come to your own is through your, your memories, through your experiences of what you've lived through, some of which aren't great, but like that creates the greatest boundaries and, and standards for yourself moving forward. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Let's start with, I don't know much about you. So will you tell us your story? So so I'm 35. Um, I joke that I share my feelings for a living. That's like (laughs) how I've come to best describe what I do career-wise, even though what I do career-wise isn't who I am, of course. But there is a close correlation there. Um, Very close to what I do. It's like my form of of therapy and passion and all these things. Um, I mean, principally, I'm a writer and a podcaster. And the podcast is really kind of what helped me reinvent myself multiple times along the way. I've been doing it for about five years. Cool. Um, in 2018, I, I started the podcast um, kind of just, yeah, I don't want to use the, the term quarter life crisis because it wasn't a crisis in, in any sense. It was 
um, bad breakup. And at the same time, very invested in my career at the time. I was running a sales team in Chicago, advertising technology. So traveling a lot out of Chicago to like St. Louis and Toledo and Cleveland, just like doing these like short <laughs> Really sexy places. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the best. Um, no offense. I mean, I'm a Midwesterner, so it wasn't, nice. it wasn't terrible. But it was just a lot. It was a lot of traveling, a lot of, you know, hustling to, to make a goal, to, to do a thing. And, you know, the, the breakup was just one of those catalysts. I was like, what, like, what am I doing? Like, it would really be unfortunate 20 years from now to look back and realize that I was going along this path, um, you know, dating these kinds of people because I thought this was the right thing, working this job because I thought it would lead me to some definition of happiness or success, doing all these things, having these aspirations, having unchecked anxieties, emotions, whatever it is. Um, and it would really be unfortunate if I were to look back and realize I never challenged any of these things. I'm pretty type A. So my solution was to start the podcast. So it's a very meta thing in that what I do now was as I saw the kind of the solution or the challenge for myself. Totally. Started the podcast and kind of the rest is history because basically what I realized I was doing on the podcast was my own form of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. um, and that was basically five years ago coming up on uh, in June. Wow. Yeah. And when you started the show, was it were you doing interviews? Was it just you like processing? What did that look so like? So 99% of them I've done 494 episodes is just me. Yeah. So just so that's yeah. where the growth came from. Absolutely. I, I, I also write a lot of quotes on Instagram. And one of the ones that I always refer to is I've changed so much, I might have to reintroduce myself to everyone. Cool. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that I've sat down 494 times by myself, gave myself a prompt. Why do I feel this way? What do I think love is? Whatever, like big meaty ideas. And then I just logic my way through it. Not a licensed therapist, no background in, in anything, just a regular guy doing guy stuff, talking <laughs> through these, these subjects. Um, and it's been really, really rewarding, rewarding personally. And then, of course, you know, to help other people. As yeah. Well. When did that become like how long did it take from the impetus to this is your full time gig? You actually like make money doing this thing? Uh, about three and a half years. Yeah, so cool. I, I side hustled it for about three and a half years. I love that. And yeah. so many people see podcasters, see authors, see anybody who's pursuing something in their life. And they're like, I want to have that thing. And we've gotten into this culture of we try it for a month or two months and it's not working. And then we're like, I'm out. Like, it's not for me. I can't do yeah. this. And so it's always really important to me to understand what it took to get from there to here. I was sitting with a comedian the other day who's now selling out arenas. And it's like his story of being absolutely like busted, like nobody cared, nobody's coming to the yeah. show. That was six years ago. Now, it's rad for me to look at and go, gosh, in six years, you went from nobody cared about you to you're selling out arenas all over the world. But at the same time, the people who are giving up after two months, four months, a year are not understanding that it's going to take a lot more than you think to yeah. get where it is you want to yeah. go. Yeah, particularly podcasting. Podcasting is probably one of the most difficult things to grow, especially if you don't have an existing social or 100%. things like that. I didn't, I didn't have anything. Yeah. I grew everything from the podcast. That's great. Yeah, I saw a stat that it was like, you know, it's like 97% of podcasts don't get past episode yes, 10 or something. Yes, I've heard this recently yeah, it's just too. Like, yes. <laughs> it's, I believe it. It's right. Because people get defeated. They're like, yeah. all right, publish. Where is the audience? Yeah, it's, it's right. tough. It's tough. It's, I think this is real for not just podcasting, but anything. It's consistency, period, yeah. full on. Like you have to keep showing up again and again and again. And the things in my career that have succeeded – 
It's about consistency. The things that have not worked, it's because we weren't consistent the way we yeah. needed to be. Yeah. Um, Agreed. I started as a blogger. It was my first entrance into digital marketing back in 2008. And when I monetized that and figured out how to monetize that and got it to a place where I could hire an employee and mm. then two employees, yeah. the name of the game was how much content can you put out? How much organic content? How much thoughtful, intentional yeah. content? Like, can you show up? Five days a week? Can you show up seven? Can you do? It was so intense. And at the time, it felt like this trial by fire. And now it is 100% why I am able to put out the podcast I'm able to put out because I'm just so used to, like, you got to do another one. You yeah. got it's, it's a muscle well, and, like anything and you, else. Yeah, you get better at it. I mean, my Absolutely. whole, like, I, we could talk all and all, all day about like the cliche of why. Like why are why are you even doing it in the first place? Like yeah. if you're not incentivized to have a why to get past episode ten, you're never going to get past it. If yeah. your if your motive is because everyone else is doing it, right. or, or I because I be want a fans. podcaster, yeah. it's like yeah, you know, I understand that of course, and I want that secondarily of course. But it's like the podcast is my therapy. Uh, it always has been. Like you can't help but grow when you sit down and four hundred ninety four times evaluate tough life topics. So right. that's always been my incentive, even if people stopped tuning in and it went to zero, I would still do it. That's a question yeah. is like, what is something you would do even yeah. if it never became, what would you still do this show if nobody was listening to it or if five people yeah. were listening to it? Because that's a question more people need to ask. Yeah. It's like uh, <clears throat> Seth Godin has that great line in one of his books. I can't remember, but it's like, it's not, what would you do if you, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail which is like this classic, right? right? Yeah. His thing is, what would you do if you knew you would fail? Mm. What would you do if you knew it would never yeah. work, yeah. but you love it so much you yeah. do it anyway? Yeah. Do that thing. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the move. Yeah, and it's a, it's a tough thing to find. It could take a lifetime to find the thing that you're so motivated to do, even if it was reaching goose egg. Right. But I, you know, I, for me, this 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 is it, and it's it's a gift to be able to do it and to share my feelings for a living and, and yeah. reinvent myself. But also very practically, I'm an author as well. So, yeah. you know, like I just submitted a, a new book pitch. Cool. All that was from the last four years of podcasting. So I always have things to choose from that I want to write about and I could react to people's reactions to it. So practically as a career driven person or even as, you know, an entrepreneur, like it gives me, you know, substance from which to create additional things so 100%. you know from a marketing standpoint it's it's very smart as well but it helps me immensely twice a week sitting down doing these things sharing with other people hearing the response and just continuing to do it what's your process like to uh create do you batch your work do you like in terms of podcast production how are you actually accomplishing 500 podcast episodes and you know yeah, I think it's I think it's like a an always on switch of being inspired. So I've got Google Docs of Google Docs of just things that I've noticed over over time that I just write down prompts that I could turn to whenever. So I'm always marinating on ideas. But I mean, it's basically just the day before that I publish it, I'll pull out one of the prompts or react to a TikTok or react to something or a question that's on my mind, and then uh, I put on music. I listen to energetic, upbeat house music, 126 beats per minute. <laughs> like that's my thing that gets me in the headspace. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'll just write, I'll write a very, very detailed outline. I think of more of a writer first, podcaster second, mm -hmm. very closely related. Um, I'll just sit down. It takes me about two hours to write. Um, and that's it. And then I'll, and I'll go and record it. I, th I think like that's, I think we've all been given gifts in life. And sometimes they're not, you know, as uh, explicit as, you know, being a math genius or uh -huh. whatever it may be. I think mine has always been just simplifying emotions for myself. So if I can give myself a prompt of, 
you know, what is a soulmate or what is, what is love or what is, what are anxious thoughts means or whatever. I can sit down and say, well, here's the experiences that I've had. Here's what it's taught me. And it just kind of, it just kind of word vomits out. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of snap to you. I'm like, oh, let's, let's record this. And, and are you recording a, multiple days a week? Do you Twice do, a week. Okay, twice yeah. a week. So yeah. are you pretty regimented with your schedule? Are you that? Because you said you're yeah. a type yeah. A. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, or a perfectionist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, the same. I think yeah. the same. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I tend to need to write between like 10 and 12 in the morning, like between coffee one and two. Like that's my sweet spot for creating like a little a little groggy, but not jacked up on yeah. caffeine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's every Sunday. Um, and then every Wednesday, I mean, for five years. Why'd you pick those days? Uh, at the time, I think I thought it made sense to release a podcast on Mondays and Thursdays. So I oh. just do it the d- literal oh, day wow. before. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So do you edit yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. It's yeah. all, yeah, you're all yeah, doing it. Yeah. I love that too, because it's like the stuff that we figure out. Uh, Jack has been with me for, we keep trying to figure it out. I think it's almost 10 years. Oh, wow. Is it that long? Wow. And when we first, he started as a production, you know, he would shoot, he would edit, he would do the whole thing. And then in 2017, it was, well, maybe we should have a podcast because everybody has a podcast. (laughs) And I remember sitting at your desk and us Googling, like, how do you (laughs) start a podcast and what equipment do you need? And we're really lucky in the very beginning because we've had the same editor since the very beginning. So we could send audio off to him. Shout out to Andrew. And nice. he would turn it around for us. But I I just like telling the sort of granular details of the story because for people who are listening to this and they're like, what does it look like? Who do you know? Everybody has their own path. But the bottom line is we're all just figuring it out. Yeah. We are all figuring yeah. it out. And I think every time that you want to elevate the level of content you're producing, like it was a huge deal for us when we started doing audio and video. It was a huge deal when we started doing interviews because in the beginning we did interviews, but it was sort of like we had no idea. Then I went to almost exclusively solo episodes and now we're bringing interviews back in. Very similarly to you, I would say the bulk of my episodes are me by myself and those way outperform. Like I don't think we've ever, it doesn't matter, no disrespect to the guests who've been on the show, the guests are here because it just shakes it up. It makes it a bit different. Yeah. I think it sort of feeds us creatively because yeah. yeah. if it's just me always staring into a camera, yeah. like, ah. But even the biggest A-list celebrities have never brought in really? as many uh, so ever. I, well, I love that. I, yeah. I love I love solo episode. Yeah. I, I always thought it was strange that people, when people think of podcasting, they think of guests. Yeah. So like I try to do like very, not very, but I try to do different things in audio. So I, I only for the most part, do solo, but I also do a lot with music as well oh, cool. on the podcast, cool. which is not a lot of people do. So I like, uh, I very much believe in the healing power of dance music, mm. just the, the structure, the yes. repetition, its ability to, you know, to get yeah. you in this Somatic, vulnerable move it through your body. 100%. Yeah. There's science behind it. But so I team up with DJs and producers to create these dance music meditations. Right. Done it with, you know, Sam Felt, Griffin, Martin Garrix, like some of these big guys in, in dance. And publish it on the podcast so cool. people can get their, you know, uh, somewhere between a, a meditation and, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. So when they're working out, they can do a form of mindfulness or on a walk or something very energetic. So I try to try to bring different elements into podcasting, not just guesting and not just yeah. solo, but like as many different ways to bring audio to life yeah. for mindfulness. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing 
And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I would say this about so many people that I know that have been successful in media or creative fields. If we on paper, either one of us, if you right now pitched it and you were like, I've never done a podcast before. I'm, I don't have a social following. I'm just starting out. I want to do a podcast filled with solo episodes. I don't have a big name, but it's just going to be me and my thoughts. And also, by the way, I'm going to incorporate um, like uplifting dance beats yeah. by DJs to help you meditate and there's no people will be like, what are you talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> and very similarly, I think a lot, if on paper I was trying to explain, I'm gonna write about these things, I'm gonna talk about these things, I know it wouldn't work because everybody turned down those ideas when I was yeah. starting out as an author. Everyone yeah. was like, What? Yeah. Like, what what is your book about? And like, oh, oh like all these I'm a mom and like yeah. I pee my pants sometimes yeah. and like all that. And they were like, This is gross. Yeah. I'm like, this is the life of millions of women all over the world, yeah. I promise. But what's so cool is that you prove that it works. And I I wanna say this, I feel like someone listening, or maybe many someone's need to hear, we can spin our wheels trying to convince other people to buy into the dream. Because then we get sort of the validation of like, our dream is worth it. 
our dream like has value. But in my experience, and maybe in yours too, the only way that you ever actually get all the people to buy in is you prove it. You prove yeah, that the thing, that. Yeah. yeah. You prove that yeah. the thing works. Yeah. And it sucks because you usually have to prove it by yourself. Yeah. Like you do it alone. You yeah. sit down four hundred times. You do the yeah. thing, and then everyone's like, "Oh, we knew it. Yeah. We knew it. Yeah. This was such a good idea. Overnight success. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm big on that topic because. I think a lot about like the topic of manifestation, for instance, and a lot of people are like, oh man, manifesting is being clear on what you want, clarity around it. And then eventually the world, you know, the universe just comes and supports it. And like, I love optimism and I love clarity around your intention, but the way that I define manifestation is giving the universe. And when I say the universe, I mean people, I mean friends, I mean industry people, uh, giving the universe more to react to. Right. And when you actually do the thing and you yeah. write the book or you do the podcast, you're giving it more to react to. And like, I used to, I used to think that was so cheesy, like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like things, re- like crazy things really do happen yes. once you actually start doing the thing yes. and not just hoping that other people will you know, eventually come around and recognize it because you have the intention. I think we confuse like clarity and intention and honesty with action. Yes. There's- and you can't like respectfully, the, I, it's, it's funny because I've actually talked about this a lot. That you can't, it's not just about a vision board. It's not just about writing it down. I love that stuff. I think it's actually very powerful to speak your dreams and your hopes out loud and see it in Mm -hmm. your mind. But you got to meet the universe halfway. Like you got to show up and do the thing. I always say stuff happens when stuff's already happening. Some of the biggest experiences of my life, like someone calls and is like, Oprah wants you to open for her happen when I'm on set at GMA. Like it yeah. it doesn't even make sense. You're in these moments where you're like, how on earth am I here in this moment having this experience and then something else so big, it always stacks like this yeah. for me. And for uh. the longest time I was trying to figure out what's going on yeah. that like all these things happen at the same time. And now I just have such a better understanding of like energy and vibration and whatever. And I'm like, if I'm lucky enough to get to have a book come out and then on the day the book comes out, I'm on Good Morning America yeah, wearing a really cool blazer and I get to talk about yeah. it, I'm literally vibrating. Yeah. Like I'm so, my energy is so big in this moment. Not only that, but like I'm doing a bunch of stuff that other people are seeing. Yeah. It's like you're saying, like yeah. the opportunities come because people are seeing you do, and they're like, oh man, he's killing it. I yeah. need to go. Yeah, be a it's part of this you gave vibe. the universe something to react to. Like, exactly. I like the word manifest. It's yeah. great. But at the end of the day, you didn't manifest it. You did it. Yeah, you, you did a you thing. You verbed it. Absolutely. Um, I do yeah. think, though, tell me if you like have these experiences, the big goals and dreams. And it for me, it's like you make manifest, right? You mm. have you've done all the things you visualized it. You've been very clear and you work hard and then you see the result. Mm. But I've also had experiences where it was too perfect, it was right place, right time, it was serendipity, it was, you are like, man, I wish I had someone to do this thing, and then you meet someone the next night at a party who does that exact thing. Are you into that Uh, idea? I'm totally into that idea. It happens all the time. I mean, next week I'm in New York on the Today Show Yeah. because of that very thing. Just like I was talking to my publicist about, man, wouldn't it be like, I want to do more stuff like that. And we didn't do anything. But then one of the producers reached out to me. Just like one of those, one of those moments amidst like ups and downs and doubts. Like I have imposter syndrome all the time. Like, who am I to be doing this thing? And like, I quit my job two years ago to do this full time. And like coming up on two years is like, all right, I guess, I guess we're, 
we can't go back now. Like right. we're doing it. Right. So I always have these these ups and downs. And yeah, I mean, I, I notice it all the time when you, you put out an intention. I used to be kind of like the guy that was like, I never get lucky. I'm not a lucky guy. Oh no and way! And I, I used to yeah. say that. Yeah. Ooh, and now it's yeah. like, man, you are just like you are just you're just creating that lack of luck. 100%. And then I mean, and then I started, you know. Uh, thinking more about luck and what luck is there's a lot of there's a great book the art of novelty it's the, the role that like luck has played in in science and in invention really interesting stuff like about how like pasteurization was like invented by luck and it basically helped me realize that luck there's like different kinds of luck there's like blind luck random luck like just random luck but there's also luck that comes about from doing from being yourself from putting yourself in these positions and i just realized that luck is something you can control by doing you get lucky when you are doing things when you're in motion when you're your true self it strikes up conversations you bump into other people who are also doing it's like that's why when i think about manifesting or luck it's like you should give yourself credit for these things mm-hmm. it, like you attracted it for sure someone else maybe played a role in it but at the end of the day you did it you kickstarted it like you verbed it in yeah. a sense and i've come a long way from thinking oh, i'm an unlucky person or i never get those opportunities you know i, I do yeah. Um, and it's just it's just a crazy thing. Well, I also think I try and teach my kids this, that those words that you're saying have mm. incredible power yeah. in what you are bringing into your life energetically. You could call it something woo woo and say, oh, you know, it's because you're calling it or whatever. Yeah. But it's really just because you're telling your brain what to look for. So if you're like going out in the world and you're closed off or you're going out in the world and you're like, people are scary, people are mean, I never get lucky, as opposed to going out in the world, which is how I walk down the street that like, who am I going to meet today? What exciting thing is going to happen? Every single person (laughs) who comes on the podcast, I'm like, maybe this is going to be my new best friend. I don't know. Like, Try and have an attitude of the universe is going to surprise you with something great. Uh, and it's going to be an awesome day and, you know, the barista is going to be lovely and you're going to get to see at least one weenie dog when you're walking, which makes <laughs> your whole day better. I really love weenie dogs. Yeah. But like going out into the world expecting yeah. joy, expecting luck, expecting your brain is trained to look for it. Yeah. You also probably pass by 10 things that would bum you out, but your brain was trained to look for, we did actually, we did a challenge here on the podcast uh maybe like a year ago, uh, that we called the $10 challenge. And we were talking about manifesting and training your brain to look for good stuff. And I challenged the audience to look for the $10 that the universe was going to send them. Mm -hmm. Just like, you're going to find $10, but you have to be open to the fact that it's coming and you have to be open to the way the $10 shows up. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be $10. It was, we literally did like, three or four podcast episodes that were just collections of people calling into our hotline being like, oh "Oh my, this is crazy. And it came in the coolest ways. Like people would be in line at Starbucks and then get to the front of the line, like a drive-thru and then get to the front of the line. They'd be like, oh, the car before you paid for your meal and it was $10. Or they'd get a check that they had overpaid something or they'd find a birthday card from their grandma that was, it was so bananas. And I really do think it's that it was there. It was already there. Yeah. You just weren't looking yeah. for it. I love that. I mean, I spend a lot of time thinking about like the words we use in our inner life and then the words that we use to describe our outer life. And I think we're talking a lot about manifestation, but it's like to get what you want, they you have to bring those stories closer together. I think about like yes. life and happiness very logically. Like you can't be living your life. I do a fair amount of dating content. So for instance, you can't be living in your inner life saying, um, 
for instance, most of my audience is female. So like all men are liars, all men are cheaters. No man will love me. That's what you're telling yourself. But then on your vision board, for instance, be like, this is the kind of man I want. Like we have to bring those two stories closer together. And it takes a lot of self-control, particularly if you've been through scenarios where you've been disappointed by every man you've dated and you're beat over the head in social media about all the stories and, and so on and so forth. But I found bringing those stories together is what helps you spot the right partner. Don't think of a yellow car. You spot a yellow car. Like you start bringing those stories closer together, what you tell yourself inside and then the reality that you want to live. Like that is how, you know, as foo-foo as that sounds, that that is how you create what you want. But when they're not the same, I've just found that to be very illogical and the universe does not respond well to lack of logic and your actions don't follow. If, if you're telling yourself one thing, but you want another, it's just very confusing. And then it's no wonder you make maybe poor decisions in dating. But bringing those stories closer together is is everything. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that a lot of women, especially who are single, don't are maybe not conscious in the first place of those inner thoughts. They're so excited to have a somebody, and they, you know, obviously they've got their vision, mm. they have an idea, this is who it is. My first question is: are you at the level that you are looking for? Like if you no. want to attract someone who's amazing, are you amazing? Like have no. you done your therapy? Have you done your work? Have you cuz we will we don't attract what we want, we attract what we are. So if you're over here and you're like bitter or angry or still hurt from a past relationship or you're not working on yourself, what do you think you are going to attract? Yeah. Yeah. You will attract a partner that is at a very similar vibrational level to who you are and what you believe you deserve. Yeah. So how do you suggest people become, even just in the beginning, conscious of what their thoughts are as it pertains to a potential partner? Yeah. I mean, I, I always come back to like, like, what do you deserve in a, in a partnership? I think we get like, we start off and like, well, I deserve this, that and the other. And then life does this thing. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't, I don't even know anymore. Like, I think I want this, but I've never gotten it. Who knows? I think and everyone would agree that a, a relationship is built on reciprocity. Like what you give is what you should receive in, in some form on the ultimate timeline. So like I always encourage people to go back to like you're looking for these things in a partner. You want honesty, compassion, you know, time, commitment, all these very practical things. Like are you giving them in the first place for one? That is the ultimate line of logic there that says, OK, if you're giving it, then you deserve it in return. Like that is the connection point. And then when it comes to like ideas of of standards, I think standards are one of those things where I think social media has really made people overthink standards. For one, every everyone has an opinion on on a standard, practical standards from who should initiate for like all these things. We're very confused. So I spent a lot of time thinking about like what makes a standard yours for someone else's because we all need different things. And what I've come back to is the idea of like standards 1.0 versus standards 2.0. Standards 1.0 is the idea of like, you know, at a certain point, you've got a list of standards, and but they're likely borrowed from other people. And it's fine. Like, it's, you got to start somewhere, be inspired. Standards 2.0 are the ones that come from your life, likely in instances where you experience the direct opposite yeah. of those standards. So if you say, I want honesty, that becomes a real, unbreakable, true to you standard because unfortunately, you probably dated someone who lied to you. And it's those experiences, the contrast that makes it really real. So I really encourage people to go through their memory bank. And that really is what mindfulness is to me. It's 
re-examining your memories and extracting from it standards, boundaries, more compassionate conclusions from it because you have those experiences, some of which are painful, but that's how you create those things in the present that aren't borrowed, that won't deteriorate when you get confused or when things are up and down, but you have those life experiences. So like, I think that's a powerful place to operate from because otherwise it's, it's, there's just a lot of noise in dating and everything of this is right, this is wrong. Everyone has an opinion on something. And really the only way to come to your own is through your, your memories, through your experiences of what you've lived through, some of which aren't great, but like that creates the greatest boundaries and, and standards for yourself moving forward. It's your time. Join Global Thought Leader, Executive Producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. How do you sort of lay out those type of things as you're looking for people when most most people today are on dating apps yeah. and that's how they're finding potential partners. And let's say you're looking for things like honesty, integrity, <laughs> you know, and yeah. you're like on an app, you know, like what yeah. do you even do? I mean, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, I met my girlfriend on a dating app. I met my boyfriend on a dating app. I think, I mean, I think dating apps are great. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to know what we're getting into in the first pla- place. Like I don't want to say dating app. Uh, Hinge. Okay. Hinge. I was just curious. Um, what was yours? Raya. Raya. Yeah. Have you uh, heard of that? I, I've, okay. I was on Raya. Yeah. I, I dated someone on Raya briefly. Raya, yeah. Raya is a little chaotic it's, just given the, the clientele. Well, I wonder <laughs> though if it was easier for me because of the age I'm in. Like I wasn't looking for like a 23-year-old art director. Right. <laughs> Wise decision. I think I made that literal error. I think I had like women 22 that, to 24. That's the key. And, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the key. Is like um, my boyfriend's forty. He'll be forty six next week, actually. And so I was looking for someone older, and I liked that app because it was essentially like here's ten pictures set to music, and I love music. So I was like, the song choice will help me determine whether or not we're going to get along. And then it was just a a quick little thing. And to be honest, we didn't spend a lot of time on the app getting to know each other we it was literally just like you saw someone on an app and then we went for coffee like that's the way it should be like yeah. I, I always think it's confusing when people become like pen pals with, on their dating app <laughs> yeah. or like they're i mean you like I, I want people to be safe of course and yeah. you should try to vet this person before you meet a stranger of yeah. course but like the whole point is to meet in person get a yes no maybe in your head and and move to the next step or move move on as quickly as possible what's the do you think is the best place to do a yes no maybe interaction is it coffee is it a drink is it uh i i, I think any any of the above okay uh, i i did an episode once i saw this tiktok of this woman who was like i will not go on a date a first date with a man unless it is a a nice dinner what she said, she said no coffee dates no walks Come it on. was it was actually really interesting because she posted it on tiktok and she got Everyone was like, yes, yes, go girl. Like we need a man who initiates, who's willing to spend, who's willing to plan. And I was like, I was like, that cannot be the like women's consensus in general. So I posted the video on Instagram and all the women were like, no, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Love a walk. Like the intention yeah. is the intention. It's not the 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 bill. Yes. So it was really interesting to see how, first of all, TikTok and Instagram interpreted right. this thing. I was like, I don't know what to think anymore. But yeah, no, I, I think like I'm, I'm all for 
a man planning the date, but that's that's it. He's, he plans it. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It could be a walk. Whatever circumstance helps the man highlight his ability to have a conversation, you know. And a lot of the women were like, uh, you know, a, a walk is lazy. And then that's I, literally how I fell in love with my boyfriend was I, on. So walks. I love that because because I I talked to like my friends, for instance, like my single guy friends. And he's like, I don't feel like I could be my best self at dinner because at dinner you're, it's 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 chaotic. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of pressure to order this and that and the other. He's like, but a walk, I could be myself. Right. So I, yeah, I think it's just all about putting yourself in a circumstance where you could be the calmest version of yourself and yeah. the realest version of yourself. Yeah. Well, the thing I loved about a walk too was that you're looking forward. You're not looking at each other, mm. so it isn't yeah. as scary. Yeah. And in fact, we had gone on like hour-long walks over and over and over because we were just hanging out as friends. And then at some point I was like, I haven't ever spent time looking in, like looking into his eyes, looking at him. And so I was like, oh, we should go, (laughs) let's go grab a drink sometime. And then we went to go grab a drink and that was the first time that I was like, oh, I have a crush. Oh no, oh no, what do I do? Um, But it took, it was getting out of that environment, which later I understood he's such a, He's so in his body. And so for him, that is the best way for him to process, to be open, to talk, to do it all, is to be moving. If you sit him down, like this would be his nightmare. Like, oh, you have to talk and you're not allowed to move at all. Like he, you know, and so anyway, I think the idea that you find something that works really well for you and that maybe you know what it is. So if you're going on more than one date, you've like got uh, go to. Yeah. Like I can go to this coffee shop. I can get my favorite oat milk cappuccino. Yeah. I know that we can do something in about 45 minutes and I'll <laughs> commit to that much time. And if it's not great, I'm going to bounce. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a first date should be about showcasing your best self. Yeah. Not performing. Right. And also, I think I try to talk about dating from a male perspective, of course, and kind of humanize the male experience, not make excuses for for men that are doing bad, dishonest things. But I think a lot of women sometimes forget that men are coming from their own experiences where sometimes what they did was thrown in their face, where they planned an elaborate dinner and the woman hated it, or they did a walk and the woman hated on them for it. And like, I, I talked to a lot of women that get anxious around communication styles with men, like, why isn't he texted me? Like, what's what's going on? And I'm like, okay, well, a couple options. One, maybe he didn't have a good time and he's and he's pulling back. That's, of course, on, on the table. The other option is maybe in the past he went on a date and he very excitedly followed up after and was like, I had a great time. That was amazing. I'd love to get to know you. And the woman shamed him for that. I was like, no, dude, that was not a good time. What are you talking about? Yeah. And he's that's a painful thing. Yeah. There's like TikToks that are like, oh, the worst she can say is no. When the guy asks you, I was like, the worst the woman <laughs> cannot say is no. There are way worse things that can stick with you for decades. Yeah. Um, so I think a little bit of patience and empathy goes a long way in in dating. Not to like, not to to you know lead yourself to lower your standards or negotiate your standards or anything like that, but just to to be patient. Because I think a lot of the issues come from just rushing. Like, yeah. well, we got to get to this stage. We got to do this on a date. Like, we I think rushing. I'm sure you agree is is the you know the one worst. of the biggest pieces of friction that gets in the way of us being real and yeah. on our time. Well, I also think rushing is what throws me off in work. It's what makes anything I create worse than it needs to be it hurts relationships it's sort of um ironically the theme that the universe keeps giving me over and over again is to slow down slow down be still move with intention have i actually was thinking this today of like we brought so much intentionality into the podcast itself of like how do i continue 
to do that in a in an environment where people want things so fast. They want you to approve stuff so fast yeah. and say yes to this person yeah. so fast. And that the slower we go, the better it all is. Yeah. The better it flows, the better it feels for us on the inside as the ones creating it. And definitely the better it's going to feel when you're trying to date. Yeah. I've yeah, I've been really big lately on the idea of slowness mm-hmm. and stillness. Mm-hmm. I have this, this weird relationship with this number, 216, 216 p.m. It's one of those numbers that's always followed me in life. It was like my carpool number when I was young. And I see it everywhere. Like we all see certain numbers. I yeah. see 216, page on a book, time on a clock. And for years, I've set a reminder on my phone at 216 to just stop and do nothing, literally oh. do nothing. And I, I created this thing called the 216 Social Club to help people do the same. We all At 216, we all just, whatever time zone we're in, we just take a moment of stillness, of doing nothing. And as small of a thing as that is, I found it to be so, so powerful. Spiritually, of course, of slowing down, not rushing, but also like there's a lot of science behind what happens when your brain does nothing. Like being bored is a great thing. So good. You're forming associations in your brain and association is how you make sense of life. It's how you reaffirm standards, boundaries, all these things. So like, and I, the reason I bring it up is being 35 now, I just think of like my 20s and early 30s, never slowing down, always moving, always moving finish lines, borrowing timelines, just like million miles an hour because I would guilt myself into not doing enough, you know, not being enough, all these things, all the, the, the classics. But just even a minute of stillness every day just reminds you that you can be still and good things come from being still and clarity comes from stillness. So just it's yeah. a word that I'm a fan of lately. Yeah, yeah. I think the culture is to go so fast. Yeah. The culture is I should be further along by now. The culture is, you know, well, my sister was already married with kids at this age mm-hmm. and I'm not married with kids and I don't have a townhouse that I own and then I didn't trade the townhouse in for the small bungalow and then I didn't it's like (laughs) this crazy timeline that people are on and what is often on the other side of it is getting 10 years in the future and maybe you got all of those things and you're like oh damn did I even want this life was this even what did I just do all why do I have these student loans like what did I just do all of this for and if you could just go a little bit slower, I think you'd catch those things much, much faster. Yeah, because that, yeah, that that's my biggest fear. I, I don't think fear should be the primary motivation in life, but I fear regret because regret's mm-hmm. one of those things that you can't change. You can't change it, and that scares me. Uh, similar to what we talked about in the beginning, that's why I started the podcast because I was like, I don't want to look back in twenty years and realize that I just kept blindly stumbling along a career path, or blindly dating the same people, or blindly saying this is what a single guy is like. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 scares me, <laughs> and that's why like I'm big on challenging yourself in uncomfortable ways through slowing down because I think rushing is almost guaranteed at some point to lead you to some kind of regret. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was walking uh, to get coffee yesterday, and I walked by a guy who was smoking. Number one, I'm like, wow, we we still do that in 2023. <laughs> that's wild. Uh, but more thinking about what are the things in life that we have been taught to use to numb, to Mm. fill time, to kill boredom. And how every time we turn to those things, a cigarette or alcohol or drugs or porn or anything that you are using currently in your life that is distracting you from tension in your life Mm. is what keeps you from solving the tension. And I was like, whoa. And I'm so guilty of this. I love a cocktail. 
And then there are times where I'm like, it's been a really stressful day yeah. or, you know, I'm by myself with four kids and I'm yeah. like, I would like a little glass of wine <laughs> yeah, to help in this I moment. But the older I get, the more I understand that thing, whatever it is, that numbing device is keeping me from feeling the thing I need to solve. Yeah. And if I allowed myself to feel it, whatever it is, discomfort or tension or anger or sadness or whatever, if I'll sit in it, then I would find the solution to make that thing better. Yeah. But because I can reach for the quick fix, because I can, oh, I'll just go grab yeah. this thing or I'll distract myself or I'll turn on Netflix or I'll do whatever, I miss the opportunity to heal, yeah. which is much harder. Yeah. It takes much longer, but is actually what we're craving when we light the cigarette. Yeah, yeah. I'm big on that lately. I like my girlfriend makes fun of me because I, I have this thing. I'm like, we have to do the difficult things. Like I think what you just described is a mix between emotional intelligence and maturity. The ability to sit in discomfort emotionally and the ability to make the difficult choices where there's an easier choice, there's a, a numbing choice, there's a distracting choice, that's the easy one, or the the difficult one to sit in a feeling, to have a conversation, to do whatever it is. Like That is how I've really come to define my life. It's like I have to do the difficult thing. If there's a difficult thing on the menu, not because I'm some like Navy SEAL hardo, <laughs> but because I've realized that good things come from the difficult moments. And I, I did an episode recently on like, um, for women, you know, what is what is the most masculine trait you could look for in a man? For for women that want a masculine man, and I said we got to stop thinking about masculinity as masculinity. We should look for maturity because maturity is is doing the difficult things. And what more masculine trait is there than doing mm. the difficult things physically and emotionally? Like that is the trait that I think we should aspire to in ourselves and, and in partners. It's willingness to sit in those things rather than run from it. A willingness to have difficult conversation, even even if it leads to an outcome that isn't so great. It's the willingness to do it, I think, is it's emotional intelligence wrapped up into into action and, and everything in between. And I'm very passionate about it. It's like I'm like my girlfriend, Joe, I'm like almost like a glutton for punishment. It's like there's a difficult thing on the table. Like I have to do it because if I don't, then I know it's just further rooting you down a path where you're going to regret something. And I think inaction just makes me so uncomfortable. And granted, it it's made me like a little impatient and like do things maybe too quickly. <laughs> uh, but I, I think looking at yourself through that lens of like sitting in the discomfort, doing the difficult thing, I think it will always lead you to a point of clarity that is compassionate and rewarding in some sense. I think the it, you're so right on. The thing I'd add in back to what we were saying earlier is I don't hear a lot of people talking about doing the boring thing. Mm. It's actually... Easier to do a difficult thing because yeah. you're taking action. Yeah. Boring is I realize a lot of times why I was choosing things to why I was binging, yeah. why I was adding alcohol to every moment, why I why I was doing those things was like I'm bored. Yeah. This is boring. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna liven it up. I'm I'm gonna make it fun or I'm gonna like have a beer and then yeah. all of a sudden it's sort of like cocktail hour and we're having fun. And so there's something to when you start removing things from your life that you know shouldn't be there, yeah. I, it's I, probably, gosh, maybe two months ago, I was like, I'm just going to take some time off of alcohol. I'd gone through a really awful experience with my family in February, and I had had vodka every night. Like right. I was not, I have one drink, but I still am like, this is not the great health choice that it needs to be. And so coming off the back end of that experience, I was like, I need to just take like a month and just not mm. have anything, do a reset and like remind myself that you don't need vodka to cope. And 
God, it's boring. Yeah. You're home alone with four kids. You don't even know. It's, <laughs> it's hard and it's boring. And you get to like when you would maybe normally have a drink, like yeah. it's 530 or whatever. And I'm just like, well, what are we going to do? What am yeah. I doing? I'm just like living. I'm yeah. just here doing what am I supposed to read? What am I? And I had maybe five days of just kind of being like, this is lame. Like, yeah. I'm so bored. And then I found things to fill the time. Yeah. Then I picked up my guitar. Then I yeah. read some books. Then I did, I pulled a lot of my morning routine into my evening routine. I made better choices, which made it so much easier to not think I needed a drink. And that reset was so good for me. But when you first give something up, you're you're like, wait, yeah. the fun just went away. Yeah. At least I feel like yeah. that. I think that's such a great topic. I actually have on my idea sheet the power of boredom. Yes. But I mean, it's such a good point because, yeah, we could sit here all, all day and talk about doing a difficult thing and how we could like reverse rationalize that in our head to lead to like destructive <laughs> behavior to like fill like when we're, bo we're bored, we'll fill the void with something else that could be distracting and, and self-destructive. So, yeah, I think it requires a lot of accountability. But I think in line with the idea of stillness and like what you're actually doing with your brain in that moment, I think from boredom clearly comes good things, creative outlets, yes. like all these rewarding experiences. But we are so averse to boredom. I mean, because our phone is right there. Instant dopamine. It's, it's. I don't want to boo-hoo social media necessarily or, you know, be a, an old, you know, the, the, the days before social media yeah. and phones. But uh, yeah, I think there's so much power in just sitting and being and, and being bored and being alone with your thoughts. If you can't be alone with your thoughts, I think we need to really reevaluate that. Why? Yeah. Like it might not be you're running from something necessarily, but like, why are we uncomfortable with with that inner dialogue? What is it saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's a it's great going back to the idea of people who are looking for love and wanting to date. Like, can you date yourself? Mm. Can you yeah. sit would at you, a restaurant? Would you date yourself? Yeah. Like, would you, date would you like honestly? Would yeah. You? yeah. Can you sit at a restaurant by yourself without your phone, without a book, and just sit there and have yeah. you know a meal and be alone with your thoughts? And because honestly, if you can't be with yourself. Like if you're not happy with who you are when you're by yourself, what kind of person would you attract into this energy sphere, yeah, yeah. right? Like you don't like yeah. you. So do you think that you're going to attract someone who's going to heal that piece or make it better? Or is it more likely that you're going to attract someone who is going to reinforce the things that you don't like there already? Yeah. So I, so I was single from 29 to 33, like good meaty years to be single as a man, you know, establishing your career, you can do whatever you want. I wrote a book at the time called Single is Your Superpower about the power of being single just because of everything we're talking about here. Like, why are, why are we dating in the first place? Like, have we ever even asked ourselves that? Like, some yeah. people have, of course, but a lot of people, it's, well, it's just what you do. I don't want to be alone. I want to start a family. Fine reasons, of course. We're never going to deny that. But I don't think that's nearly introspective enough or personal enough. One of the first chapters of that book, I like to ask older generations as much as I can to learn from them. And I like to ask, you know, people 60 plus, I, I always ask, what do you regret? And when it comes to the topic of dating and regret amongst the older generations, I've never heard an older person say they regret being single. I've never heard it. <laughs> never heard it. I've heard, I've heard every Same. opposite of that. I regret jumping into a relationship too soon, having kids too soon, staying in the wrong relationship, disrespecting myself in a relationship, looking for love to complete me. Every every idea that you could possibly think of, I've heard, but I've never heard an older person say they regret being single. So people could take it for what it's worth. But I really, again, the, the theme that we're developing here is slowing down, being intentional. Why are you even doing it in the first place? Yeah. Is it coming from a, a place of lack, loneliness? Loneliness is a big motivator, I think, that we all have. 
you know, why are we doing these things in the first place? Maybe we could take a step back and make being single a superpower if we want to hyperbolize it. Um, or we could just sit back and date ourselves for a bit. Yeah. There's a, I, I, I reference it a lot, but there's something I saw on TikTok years ago where this woman said her grandma used to always say, it takes a really good man to be better than no man at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Cause yes, because <laughs> I am not yeah. in a relationship because I was looking for a relationship. Right. I am in a relationship because I found a partner who was so wonderful yes. that I want to be in a relationship with him. Yeah. If something were to happen and we were no longer together, yeah. I would also love being single. Yeah. Not because I don't, I'm not the kind, I'm not like a dating kind of, I'm not that, but I just like being alone. Me too. Oh my God. Me too. I love my independence. I, I love my love alone it. time. I am locked and good to go. Yeah. And I would actually <laughs> give advice to people who are that way and are trying to figure out, okay, if I'm looking for love and how, look for someone who is equally independent. Yeah. Because it's yes. sort of like that you were talking about anxious attachment versus yeah. if you are someone who likes their independent, who is used to, making your own choices, yeah. doing your own thing, figuring, and you get someone who's an anxious attacher who's like, you know, oh God, we did a relationship uh, podcast with Gay Hendrix, Gay Hendrix, who wrote a book called The Big Leap. Oh, you should check it out. So I should, great. I should, yeah. Yes, yeah. That sounds right up my alley. Oh my I gosh, it's, it's got perfect. like a goldfish yeah. jumping. Okay. I might have it in the house. Okay. I'll give it to oh, you. Okay. Um, but they are so sweet. They're both yeah. in their 80s. They've been together for like 50 years. It's something beautiful yeah. how long they've been together. Okay. And... I sat down and we were talking relationships. They said there's two types of people in the world. There's uh, glommers, which are like <laughs> people who emotionally like glom yeah, onto yeah. you. And then, oh God, the other one was just like the person who's like free yeah, and yeah, out there, whatever. Yeah. And if you are someone who's free and likes to be out in the world and you have someone who likes to glom on, yeah. that's going to cause some tension. Yeah, yeah. So finding someone who is... You know, I grew up in the church, and so there's a scripture in the Bible that says, you know, you should be e uh, equally yoked. Like if two oxen were yeah, pulling a right. plow in a field, right? They yeah. they need to be the same size right, right. so that the uh, yoke isn't off I love that. kilter. Yeah. yeah. So you want to find someone who's yoked. similarly aligned with yeah. who you are, yeah. so you don't have any weirdness. Yeah. Because we're both Boo and I are both very independent people, and so we're not. We both have careers yeah. that we travel. We'll spend weeks apart from each other, and it works beautifully yeah. for us. But wouldn't work beautifully if you were someone who was super insecure and like needed to be with your partner all 100%. the time. Hundred percent. I love that. I'm actually working on a, a new book that is all about independence in a relationship because I think about the purpose of a partner is to amplify the happiness you've already created for yourself. So you have to bring, and when we say happiness, that can mean a lot of different things, but bring you know, happiness with you that is amplified by the partner, not provided by your partner. Otherwise, we're going to run into all kinds of issues. Okay, wait, let's say it again, because I want people to catch this. The purpose of a partner in a relationship, is that what you said? Yes. Is to amplify the happiness you already have, not create happiness yes. for you. That is brilliant. Yeah. That is, it's like so obvious when you say it, but no, we forget I, yeah. it. We, I mean, we fall into the cliche of, of hoping a partner provides it for us, creates it for us, is the spark for it. And I think a partner, of course, can help elevate it, create 2.0, but you have to bring that with you, engage the health of the relationship through your partner's ability to amplify it. And then, of course, your ability to amplify theirs. Like, that is how I see a relationship. And I think when that's the lens, it really supports independence. Because to be independent, that's continue to work on your definition of happiness and success that is then amplified by your partner. 
one of the things that there's something called the dependency paradox, which sounds bad when you think about the word dependencies, think about codependence, but it's basically like in, in childhood, the closer that a, a, a child with a caregiver feels with their caregiver, the more independent they also feel because they know that they have that support system that they could take a step and fall, but they know that their parent will be there to pick them up to do more first steps to do these things. So it's basically the idea of that the closer you are, the paradox is the more independent you're willing to be. And that's how I think about relationships. Like independence, for one, is a good sign. I think a lot of people are like, ooh, like why would she do that on her own? Or why is he doing that on his own? Something must be wrong. And I think the right relationship, that's a great sign because they have the compatibility and the closeness and the, and the connection that they're encouraged to be independent. Absolutely. And, and that, is, that is the lens that we look at things through. And I, I think that really helps solidify things. And I have a big issue with the term settle down as well because I think <laughs> That's the opposite of like settle down for me just as a, as a phrase is like that means boring. It means less. It means watered down. It means, you know, losing kind of your your zest for life. And I think the, a relationship is not about settling down. It's, it's about moreness. It's about it's about independence. It's about creating more happiness that's amplified. So I feel very strongly about the topic of independence. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah. Well, and I don't feel like a ton of people spend enough time talking about, especially for women, about what it is to be an independent woman inside of a loving, committed relationship. So if, so this is the new book that you're working on. Yeah. It's going to be a while. (laughs) So (laughs) come back in 2024. Perfect. Um, But in the meantime, if people are listening to this or loving what you're saying, will you tell the listeners where they can find your podcast, where they can find your books, where they can hang out with you online? Like give us all that. Yes. I actually, so I recently wrote a book called That's Bold of You, which is very in line with what we're talking about here. It's for anyone who's ever been called too much, too independent, too difficult, these things that have been prescribed to us by other people that we've internalized how to break free of that, how to be your weirdest, most vibrant, realist self by breaking down our identities, no longer copying and pasting, no longer borrowing. So wrote that book. It's bright. It's yellow. It's pink. It's you would not know that a man wrote it, I suppose. Um, but it's something I feel very passionate about reinventing yourself in the face of what you've been told. Um, so that's that's bold of you. And then the podcast is New Mindset Who Dis? It's everywhere. And in case.kenny on Instagram, I write a lot of quotes that people might see posted up. I like to litter across different cities and post them on signs and street lamps and <laughs> things cool. like that. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Case, thank you for hanging out, Thank you man. so much. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.